0: Thank you for listening to this sermon by Grace Point Church. If you'd like to learn more, visit our website at gracepointaz.com or better yet, come be our guest on a Sunday morning. Good morning, Grace Point Church, and thank you for being here. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. If you'd like to follow along with the reading and need a Bible, they can be found in the seat backs in front of you. If you don't have a Bible at home, please take one with you. Or if you know someone who needs a Bible, please take one and give it to them. We would love for you to have God's Word in your hands throughout this week. Today's scripture will be taken from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 10 through 15. And can be found on page 982 of those Bibles. Follow along with me as I read. Please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day, and we ask your blessing over Tyler as he shares your word. Father, I pray you would bless every person that is here tonight, every person that will hear this message over the internet, Lord. Bless them, Father, with your presence. We pray this in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Good morning again. So. Last week, we had a guest preacher, and uh, if you if you're here, you got to hear us talk about how he is going to be planting a church in Buckeye in the next year, year and a half or so, uh, but his name's Daniel, and so uh, it was a really good sermon, and so if you missed that, I just want to encourage you, you can go and you can get caught back up. Uh, on YouTube, our, our podcast. You can go to our website, Facebook. We've got it like on all the platforms, I feel like. But uh, I just want to encourage you guys to go and check that out. Daniel, you'll probably be, be seeing coming around here more often. He'll probably come you know, once a month or once every two months to come and preach. We're uh, partnering right now with Valley Life Tremonto, who is our, our mother church or our sending church that helped us get planted back in uh, 2014. And so uh, we're super excited to be partnering. That's one of the things we love to do is uh, see churches get planted. And so uh, Daniel will be coming and, and preaching you know, once a month, once every two months, and uh, it's gonna be great. But I wanna talk to you guys about what his sermon was about last week, if you missed it, uh, and get you caught up or at least remind you. So the entire sermon that he talked about last week was uh, peace that overcomes. That was kind of the, the whole big idea of the sermon. And he gave us three points. The first point was peace with others how when we're sinned against or we sin against someone else, how whatever the sin or the, um, the issue, whatever it was, it might not be okay, but we can be okay. How the sin, we're not, we're not making light of the sin or the offense that was taken, but we're saying, hey, we can be okay. Our relationship's gonna be fine. And I'm not saying forget what had happened. I'm saying to, to remember that and don't hold it against them. And so he talked about peace with others and how when we disagree with others, that we should be able to do it peacefully, especially in the church. In the end, in the church, we're all on the same team. We're all Christians. And so we should be able to have the finer points of theology, um, debates, and do it peacefully. We should be able to uh, you know, argue our point. Argue is probably the wrong term for that. But like we should be able to debate and talk about it without getting all upset and uh, getting af- offended about it. As Christians, we should fight for our brothers and Christians, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. We should fight for each other to be united together and um, to find peace with one another when we are at each other's throats sometimes. And then he also said this. He said, acknowledging the wounds from friends are better than the kisses from the enemy, which I thought was a really, really good point. The second thing he talked about was peace in trials. How maybe your marriage is struggling. It's like hanging on by a thread. It's failing. Maybe it's your marriage. Or maybe it's you just experienced a job loss. Or you just can't make it to the end of the month and have money left over. Your finances are struggling. Maybe you're struggling with turning away from your sin, medical issues. Maybe seeing someone that you love refuse to believe. Or even someone that you love pass away peace in trials. What does that look like? What is the source of that anxiety that you feel over those things? And what we need to do in those situations, is we need to let the center of us not be focused on the circumstances, but be focused on Jesus, to be centered on Jesus. And when we do that, that is where peace is rooted. And then he talked about that third point was the peace of mind. And peace of mind increases as you become a mature Christian. It doesn't happen when you're conformed to this world, when everybody's doing all these things, doing the cool things or whatever, and you're like, yeah, I wanna do that too. No, peace of of mind comes from being transformed by the gospel, not conformed to this world. And the renewing of your mind, centering it back on Jesus is his plan for you, his plan for me, his plan for, for anyone that would believe, and just having that correct perspective. And so when we are transformed, what does that look like? He talked about how it's thanking God for our salvation and thanking him continuously. We shouldn't just thank him once. Like it's nothing that we can do. We can't earn our way in any way except for believing in his life, death, and resurrection. Being transformed looks like becoming more Christ-like, sharing the gospel with the lost, joyfully giving back to the Lord with our time, with our talents, with our treasures or money. You know, Baptists like all the, the three T's, right? So caring for the less fortunate and training up your children in the ways of the Lord. These are the things that a transformed Christian and how a transformed Christian should look like. So as we jump in today, we're wrapping up this letter in Philippians and we're gonna be talking about being content. How Paul has learned how to be content. Verse 10, he says this, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Now, or that now at length, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. See, right now we're probably around 10 years after when he was first there and planted the church uh, in Philippi. And so we're 10 years apart from that. And it sounds like, they, like he said that you had no opportunity to help, no opportunity um, to, to be concerned for me. But he said that right now it's getting revived and he's thrilled about it. So I don't know what happened. Maybe, maybe Paul ran out of text messages. Maybe he ran out of the minutes on his phone. But like ser- seriously, it's something with the communication. Like they, they were so far away, he was traveling around. And later on, we'll see that he starts sending, sending Timothy back. And, he's, and then the church starts sending Epaphroditus to him. And so then the communication, this relationship is restored. And so um, in verse 10, we see that Paul is rejoicing in the Lord because the Philippian church didn't just send him a gift, which we're going to learn about a little bit today about how Epaphroditus brought him this big gift, but how it was because they were reconnecting. He was reconnecting with them when Epaphroditus brings this gift to Paul, Paul rejoices, and then in verse 11, he says this. He says, not that, I speak, not that I am speaking of being in need. He's letting them know, like, I'm not speaking because I'm in need. Like, I'm not excited about that. Like, I'm thankful you're fulfilling my need, but I'm more excited that this relationship, he says, is revived or restored. And so he's rejoicing because he's reconnecting with God's people. And there's two things that happen when we reconnect with God's people. Joy is produced from that and encouragement. I'm going to read verse 10 again. Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Paul is reconnecting with other believers. They're sending Epaphroditus to come and care for him. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm a man and I have man colds. And so when I'm at home and I get a man cold, all I want is my wife to take care of me. Like, I just want her to like, hey, can you get me some hot soup? Can you massage my feet and my back? Like, you know, all the things. But man, isn't it so joyful? Don't you feel so loved when someone is caring for you? And Paul's like, man, I've been in jail for the last few years and and you've sent Epaphroditus to come and care for me. He's feeling loved. And then same thing, when we care for others, that should give us joy. I don't know about you guys, but uh, in my workplace, uh, I'm a full-time cybersecurity guy. And so I go through a lot of documentation and like logging on the computer and a bunch of IT terms and stuff that you probably don't care to hear but a lot of the stuff is like super fast paced. So it's like, hey, I've got to take care of all this documentation. And then I have to hop into a super quick, important meeting to go through it or to tell them, hey, you need to fix this or whatever. But I don't really have a lot of time to slow down. Sometimes I do, but most of the time I don't have time to slow down and care for the people I'm working with or um, really have conversations outside of work. But when I come to the church every week or when we get together in the back room for staff meeting, or I get to come to the elder meeting that me and uh, Pastor Rob, the worship leader, is uh, when we get to get together to have those meetings, man, it is so much fun. It's so much fun to reconnect with other believers and other Christians. And so that is where the fun and the joy is, especially for me. Rob and I were just talking last week about like life can be busy, work can be tough. Right now, I don't know if you guys know, we're in the search for a lead pastor. And so, like, there's a lot going on. There's interviews and all these things going on, right? And so, it's really busy, but the church stuff, the the busy church stuff is the fun stuff. That's the stuff that we get joy from. It pushes us forward. And Paul is joyful because he's reconnecting with his people, he's reconnecting with Christians. So I want to ask you guys, what group of believers are you connecting with consistently? This is why at Grace Point Church, we emphasize community groups a lot. So if you haven't heard about community groups, you either haven't been a Newcomer's Dessert or you're kind of new around here, I imagine. But community groups are huge for us. And in community groups, we have open lives and open Bibles where we can talk about the circumstances and the situations we're going through. And we also can recenter our hearts and our minds on Jesus. And then we can learn more about the Bible. We can talk about the Bible with other believers. And our mission uh, here at Grace Point is lives changed by Jesus. And this is one of the ways that we get to do that. And we love doing it in community group. So when you connect with other believers, it brings you joy or should bring you joy. I know it brings me joy, and it also brings encouragement. See, sometimes we'll go through these hard times in life, right, where the the burdens and the weight of life, it feels so heavy that you can't keep your arms up. You can't keep that burden. You can't hold that weight. And so what that looks like is having other believers, other Christians coming around you and lifting um, your arms up to help carry the load with you. And so that is some of the most encouraging thing is when you can get together and mourn with someone who's mourning, cry with someone who's crying or celebrate life with someone who's celebrating. We've got to stay connected consistently with believers. Then Paul jumps, uh, verse 11. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Paul's saying, I'm not content because you have brought me what I needed. I'm not content because this gift that you've given me, I'm content because the, uh, he's, in, he's content because, let me back up a second. I got a little ahead of me. But he is content because he learned how to be content. He's learned in whatever situation how to be content. And that's encouraging to hear because in our life sometimes, we really, um, we can look and compare ourselves with other people and we're just, we're just not content. But it's something that can be learned we become discontent for a number of reasons. Usually it's because we're lacking something. Maybe it's an item or a possession. Uh, Maybe it's like a circumstance that you want to change. But we get discontent so many times. And a lot of times we're like kids when it comes to these items or possessions, right? So I don't know about you, but when I go and buy my kids a gift or a toy, like I'll give it to them and they have so much fun with it. And they're playing with it so much for like 10 minutes. And then they like throw it with all their other toys. And I'm like, what are you doing? And then what used to happen when we used to say, hey, yeah, sure, you can watch something on YouTube. They then would go on YouTube and watch other kids play with toys. And I'm just like, what are you doing? You have toys, go play. Anyways, that would just bug me. But we do the same thing when we get that new car or we get that new house or we get the new shoes or clothes. We're so excited and we're so thrilled for just a little bit of time, but that never lasts. We do the same thing with these things, and some some of you guys here would say the reason I'm unhappy is because man I need a spouse, or maybe I need a new spouse. Maybe that's your thought process. I hope not, but <laughs> I don't know if that was supposed to be funny. <laughs> um, but once I'm done with college, maybe you're saying, man, once I'm done with college, once I'm done with school, or maybe you'd say I need a more fulfilling job. Work is a grind and I'm just not happy with where I'm at with work right now, or I need uh, more pay. I need a bigger salary. Many of us will say, man, my life is a wreck and I would be happy if all my situations and my circumstances were just solved, if they were fixed. And then a lot of us would say, I would be finally happy once I retire. My life is so miserable right now, but when I retire, life is going to be good and I can do whatever I want to do, right? Right. I'm sure that we've got some retirees in here and they're like, he ain't wrong, he ain't wrong. So <laughs> we have to be careful not to, to compare ourselves with others. And one of the other things that we'll, we'll, we'll jump to is we'll get jealous and then we'll be discontent because we're jealous. And technology and social media is one of the ways that is used a lot these days in good ways and bad But one of the things that we'll end up doing is we look at people's social media, their pictures, their videos, and we get like these highlight reels of how awesome their lives are, right? How they just got the new car or this new house or the new pet or whatever it is. And then we think and we say, man, I want that. Why can't I have that? Why can't that be my family? I wanna go on that vacation. And we have to be careful not to compare ourselves and get into that comparison game. Because when we get in that comparison game, that comparison will end up robbing you of that contentment. It'll rob you from the joy. In fact, it promotes this this commandment that God gave us not to covet. It promotes coveting, wanting something that someone else has. See, the source to our discontentment is when we think that we're lacking that possession or we think that we're lacking that circumstance that we should be in. The source of the discontentment, sometimes it, it becomes coveting. And we see, we see these things on Facebook and how people or Twitter, whatever you guys use, how people's like lives are just rock stars. And that's what we want. I've been, I've been in the same boat doing the same thing. But we look at the people and their circumstances and their possessions, and we look at that for ultimate happiness instead of looking at the one true God, our creator. So if you're a Christian, I want you to think today, what is your purpose? What is the mission that God has put us all here for if you're saved It's to serve others. It's to love others well. It's to tell people about Jesus. It's to do everything that you do to glorify God. That is what the the mission and purpose is. And maybe there's some of you here today, you'd say, man, well, well, my want or my desire is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. What what if you said, man, I, I really want a spouse. Like, I just want a spouse. I've never been married. I want a spouse. I think if I finally had a spouse, I'd be happy. See, the problem is that's a good desire, but it becomes a problem when we say, I need a spouse. Not I want, but it becomes a problem when you say, I need a spouse to be satisfied, to be content. And if, if you get to that point, you should see this big beacon or this big light or whatever in your heart, in your mind saying like, man, your heart is captivated by something other than God. And so that goes with Anything. It's good to, be, uh, to have a more fulfilling job or a bigger house or a better house. Your kids all get one room apiece, or whatever it is. That can go with any of those things, not just marriage where they can be good things. They're not bad things. But if we say, I need those things to be content, that's where the problem is. This has been my story. Um, going when I was growing up, going through high school, you know, I just couldn't wait to get out of the house. I can't wait to get out of mom and dad's house and have my own place. Then I'll be happy, it'll be fun. So then I get my own apartment and it's like all right like what's next? I got to I got to finish school, I got to get my own house. And then I get my own house and it's like which by the way it took me years to finish school cuz I didn't do it all in one one whole thing. But then you get that house and it's like oh man, now I want that pool addition or I want that backyard to be completed or I want to add on all these stainless steel appliances and this cycle continues it goes on and on and on. It's never ending. And living our whole lives not able to be content and last is where we'll get stuck if we don't learn, like Paul's saying, learn to be content. Paul tells us in verse 11 that it is something that we all can learn. It's something that he has learned. So the question is, is it something you've learned? I know it's not something I've learned. I feel like I've learned it. And then the next day it's like, well, I want that new gun or I want that new car, right? So it's it's something that we can be like, oh yeah, I've got it, and then we realize, oh no, I don't. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm super forgetful, and I'll fall into that cultural trap where I can earn my way to happiness. I can earn my way to buy enough things or buy enough toys, then I'll be happy. But it can it, it can be learned. There is a process. It's not like you just say yes to Jesus and then boom, everything's good. You're content. You're happy for the rest of your life. It gives you joy. It's something that has to be practiced something that has to be learned. And so Paul's contentment was learned through his independence, or through his dependence, sorry, his dependence on God. Paul, out of all of us, he had reason upon reason to be discontent. He was imprisoned in Rome before that, in Caesarea. He'd he'd been in jail multiple times before that. He was chained to a guard right now while he's writing this book 24-7, meaning he had no privacy. He couldn't go to the bathroom without someone being attached to him by a chain. And then in Acts 28, we see that he was even made to pay his own rent when he was in house arrest or in that Roman jail or whatever. Like he had to pay his own rent. I don't even think our prisoners here in the America have it that good, or that's not good. It's backwards. But like they, they don't have to pay. They've got it way better. But Paul had to pay, and I imagine that's what, uh, part of what Epaphroditus had to bring this gift um, to. It was, it was to help him probably afford to be in jail. Like, who knows what would happen if he didn't. But on top of all that, Paul is also sitting there waiting for a trial where he might be killed or executed. See, Paul's going through some tough and rough circumstances, and he didn't live under them. He wasn't crushed by those circumstances. What he did is he lived above those circumstances, even though the hard stuff came, he remained joyful through it. See, genuine contentment and joy, is, it's not dictated by our circumstances. Saying like, man, if only things would change, if only this one thing would happen in my life, then I would be happy. No, genuine joy and contentment is found in our unchangeable Lord. See, happiness, it depends on your circumstances. It depends on what happens, Right? but joy depends on how anchored our hearts are to Jesus. See, joy is found in the unchanging Lord. And if happiness is rooted in our circumstances, then we're gonna experience these tremendous highs and these tremendous lows. Where we'll, man, we're going to Disney next week, we're on this high, we're planning it all out, it's gonna be fun, we get to Disney, all the kids get to go on rides, scream, have fun, eat a bunch of churros, and then all of a sudden, we come back from Disney or something happens in life and then we hit this tremendous low. And if our joy is rooted in the unchanging Lord, our joy will be unshakable. Yeah, that's right. And then in verse 12, he says this, Paul says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and in need. So he says he learned in every circumstance how to be content. He's having, uh, or he's saying he knows what it's like to have plenty. He knows what it's like to have nothing. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to be full. He knows what it's like to be rich. And he knows what it's like to be poor. But he's saying the secret to being joyful through any situation is verse 13. The next verse, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And see, this is one of the most common verses in the Bible. There's a ton of Christians and non-Christians that know this verse. They have it memorized. In fact, there's like a UFC fighter. He has like Phil 413 on his chest. Like it means something, right? It gives you all the strength that you need to get through whatever you're going through or be whoever you want to be, right? No, this is a hugely misguided and misunderstood verse. So hopefully today we can get a good understanding with the context of what we're talking about with contentment here. But people will use this verse like it's something about strength. Like, man, I can lift a semi-truck because man, I believe in God and I get all my, my power and strength through him. Or some of us will say, man, I, I'm gonna be an NBA star even though I'm 5'2", 5'3", like I can't really be an NBA. But man, I got God on my side. God's got this, I'm gonna do it. Just this week, uh, me and my son, we went dove hunting and uh, I looked over at him in the middle of the hunt or we towards the end and I said, dude, I think I just got dove power. he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, my son's six. And so uh, I said, yeah, I think I have the power to fly now. And he's like, really? And I was like, no, not really. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding because we can't be and do whatever we want to be. And we can't do whatever we want to do because we have the strength of God on our side. That's not what the verse is saying. This verse is saying that in any situation, in any circumstance that you have, if you center and you anchor yourself to God, you're gonna be able to find joy and contentment through it. He's gonna give you the strength to persevere. Paul's not saying that we can dream bigger dreams of success and then have it. He is saying we can have joy when those big dreams and those aspirations we have come crumbling down on us. He isn't saying that we can go out and conquer or achieve this world. What he's saying is that we can be joyful even when the world or the people in this world are conquering us. And so if anyone had the right to be discontent, It was Paul. Yet he was able to learn to be content. So he had been in prison multiple times, like we said, not knowing if this was the last time because he's going to get executed. He'd been beaten, bruised, he was bloodied for Christ's sake, for Christ's purposes, to spread the good news of the gospel. He'd been shipwrecked, he was stoned, he was insulted, rejected again and again. He had been and felt pain, he felt hunger, he felt thirsty. He had many sleepless nights, and finally, Paul even gets executed. And the secret to being joyful, even when we are being crushed and conquered by the people of this earth or by this world itself, the secret to remaining content, even when we are in seasons of poverty, the secret is the power of Jesus in us, the Holy Spirit. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What that's saying is our contentment and joy, it doesn't come from what you or I, it doesn't come what we do or any of our own doing or circumstances. It comes from the strength of Christ who dwells in us. That's what it means to do all things through him who strengthens me. It's the power of Jesus that enables, enables us to be joyful in all things. We can face life's challenges because Jesus strengthens you. You can persevere poverty because Jesus strengthens you. You can press on through relational and marital strife because the power of Jesus strengthens you. You can endure sickness, discouragement, insult, maybe even a death in the family because the power of Jesus strengthens you. It means that even if you don't get that bigger house, that better job, that nicer and faster car, even if you don't get those things, we belong to Christ and he is yours. And that's all we need. And that is what it means to do all things through him who strengthens me. It's Jesus. That's all we need. We have no reason to to be discontent in our circumstances or discontent with our possessions. Verse 14 says this, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia... a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply everything or supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And then verse 20, to our God and father be glory forever and ever, amen. See, Paul's telling them, man, you've provided for me so well. He's telling them how grateful he is, but he's so grateful because they entered into a partnership with him. They are reconnected. They're sharing in gospel ministry. They're funding Paul to go out and tell other believers the truth so that someone might get saved. And then in verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. He said, I'm not excited about the gift. I'm excited about the fruit that will come because of the gift. It's a cause and effect situation where the gift is the cause and the fruit is the effect that more people will believe and hear the gospel. And then verse 18, he says, he is thanking them, uh, or it's, he's talking about how he's thanking them for sending Epaphroditus to help with this financial gift. And they couldn't just Venmo or PayPal Paul. Like not back in the day, it wasn't that easy. In fact, it was, it was a, a significant enough of a gift that they sent one of their leaders, someone they trusted dearly, Epaphroditus, to come and deliver this to him. And if you remember, um, Epaphroditus was a leader of that Philippian church. And I can't imagine, um, because right now, like I said, we're in that pastor search, what it would be like for a leader to leave. Actually, I can't imagine because we're in the middle of it, right? But it would be tough. And it is tough sometimes, right? And then Epaphroditus, he only gets to Rome. And if you guys remember a few weeks ago, he just gets so sick that he almost died. So Paul is thanking him and he tells, um, he tells him that he has more than enough and he's so thankful for that, but it thrills him to be on mission. It thrills him to be partnered with him for Jesus. See, what we see in these verses, is that the Philippian church was a generous church. And there's another church that's a generous church right here. Grace Point Church is a generous church. And as Christians, we are part of something so much bigger. It's our sole purpose and mission to live for God and glorify him in all that we do. Our mission here at Grace Point is lives changed by Jesus. And if for some reason, by God's grace, we grew to like a thousand or 10,000 people, but we weren't seeing lives changed by Jesus, then we are failing. And one thing that we love and we say around here is we do what we say we're gonna do and, and we mean it. Like, so if we're not doing that, if we're not seeing lives changed by Jesus, then what are we even doing? One of the ways that we can be on mission, seeing lives changed by Jesus is by giving, by funding gospel ministry to see disciples being made and more churches being planted. That's why I'm so thrilled about Daniel being able, to, being able to partner with him in Valley Life Tremonto as he's gonna go plant in Buckeye. Like we get to support him in that. And so I wanna encourage you, if you can say, this is my home, these are my people, then I wanna encourage you, and you haven't given yet to give to support the mission here at Grace Point Church, like the Philippian church supported Paul. And the nice thing is, is you don't even have to like walk or take a ship over. You can just PayPal it or use your card, right? But the last thing I want to say on this is the way that we steward our money, it will reveal where our hearts are. It will reveal what's important to you. And then we jump to verse 20, um, or we're going to jump to verse 21. Greet every saint or Christian. We learned a few weeks ago, it was, uh, a saint is a Christian in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. Verse 22, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. See, this is telling us something pretty cool here because I know I keep saying a lot of weeks ago, if y'all haven't seen it, go get caught up. But a, a few weeks ago, we learned how um, Paul, he was in 24-7 surveillance. He was on house arrest with a Roman guard and scholars think that it was about four to six hour shifts that those guards took. And what that means is he was at minimum with four different Roman guards a day. And so as he's there with those guards, what do you think he's gonna be talking to them about? He's gonna be telling them about Jesus. And Paul says, especially those saints or Christians in Caesar's household. He's telling us that some of those Roman soldiers, they got saved because he was imprisoned. See, Paul was in prison under these horrible circumstances. Yet he was on mission doing gospel work. And as we're wrapping up Paul's letter, I just want us to think about like Paul's situations, his circumstances that he was in. Because when I think about those things, it makes me more grateful for the things that I have and the circumstances that I am in. But with that being said, sometimes life does throw you off. Sometimes it does knock you down and it makes it hard to get back up and even if we were to lose what if you lost all your possessions what if you lost your house your every let's say you lost your family and everything like job did would you be able to say that christ is enough for me i heard this story this week uh, about this guy who when he was in high school he played this game called donkey basketball And when I heard donkey basketball, I was like, that sounds weird. What's that about? And he said that his high school rented out 10 horses and it was literally basketball on horseback. And I was like, that's pretty cool, but it also sounds pretty dangerous. So they rented these 10 horses and these horses were tamed. They were broken horses. Like these horses were something you could ride and not get bucked off. But when you get in that game, and they're playing, the horses are rubbing up against each other and they're trying to shoot baskets and do all this stuff, those horses would start to buck. They would start knocking kids off. And he told me, he's like, I woke up the next morning I was so sore, but it was so worth it because the crowd, all of our parents were watching, man, they loved it. They were cheering and laughing the whole time. And so I bring this story up because Jesus rode a cult that had never been ridden. And in our uh, Youth Weekly Devotionals that we've been doing the last few weeks, um, this verse came up, Mark 11:2, 2, where Jesus instructed the disciples by saying this. He said, go into the village in front of you. And immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it to me. That's what Jesus said. So this colt was a wild colt, but it didn't buck Jesus off. Jesus calmed him and he rode him even though he had never been ridden before. That colt had never been ridden before. If Jesus can calm this colt from his fears in an unfamiliar situation or an uncomfortable circumstance, then I know he can calm and take care of all of us in whatever circumstance and situation that we're going through. He is all we need and he's got you. He's got me. He's got us. And all we have to do is just trust in Jesus. Paul ends uh, this letter with verse 23. He says this, the grace of the Lord Christ or the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. See, we have a gracious God who who is, we should be so thankful for that grace And, and that grace is, it's something that we don't deserve. Grace literally is something that we don't deserve and we get to receive that. That something is God's salvation. How there is nothing that you or I could do to earn it or to achieve it The only thing is God sent his son, his one and only son down to this earth to earn it. And what that was, was righteousness that he earned. So his son comes down, lives this perfect and sin-free life. Picture it with with your same temptations you have today, minus the technology. Those are the same temptations that Jesus went through, except he was perfect in them. He resisted the sin. And then he died this horrible death after doing everything right. The worst death, arguably, that anyone could die. He was beaten, he was bloodied, he was bruised. And then after all that, he got crucified on the cross and he died in your place for your sin. And so if you're not a Christian today or you don't believe, I wanna take a second to invite you to believe. If you've never experienced God's saving grace, I wanna invite you to take that opportunity. And if you have, and yet you find yourself on the wrong path or you're, you're going off the path, then I wanna ask you to recenter your life and your heart on God. Sometimes it's hard to get back up and get back on it. But as Christians, when life gets hard, when life gets uncomfortable, when it's painful, and the power of the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, then we can live from the joy of God's saving grace because we can go through any circumstance, through any situation. We can go through all things through Christ who strengthens me and who strengthens you. So let's pray.